past uh, that my wife and I uh, recently started going to this uh, newer gym, a newer gym. And we, we love this gym. We love this gym. Well, we love it after we're done with the workout. That's usually when the love part comes in. But, but we love this gym. And the reason that we love going to this gym is because of the trainers and the, the people that design the workouts for us. In fact, the, the, the head trainer there is this somewhat sought after speed and, and strength coach. He has players in the NFL that he coaches and players in college. And he's real tied in with, with rugby stuff. And, and then there's me and my wife, Crosby. It's like, what are you doing there in that training? We feel the same thing. But the cool thing is about it is that what they do is that when they design these workouts for these professional athletes, they kind of adapt them and then they, they allow us lay people to come in and, and do the workouts and, and we've just, we've loved it. Well, one of, the, one of the ways that they design it is that you have this strength thing, that's like a, an area, and so you do that. And then once that's done, you do this kind of circuit training thing and then you do this thing called the finisher. And the finisher is exactly how it sounds. You are finished after words, right? But the middle part, the circuit part, is this, they design it very differently to where they'll have like multiple exercises and, and they're, you know, and they're spread out throughout the room. And so once they say go and you go, you're starting to do different things and you don't have to start at the same places. You can start different places as long as you do the reps. Well, here's the thing. Here's the temptation. Once, once you get going and once you start working out, you realize no one is watching me. No one is paying attention to how many reps that I'm doing. Nobody knows what exercise that I'm on. And to be honest, the temptation is to stop a little short and to settle for just good enough, right? Oh, look at you looking at me with such contradictory eyes, like you've never been there or done that before, right? It says do 10 and you get to eight and you say that is good enough, right? That's good enough. And so that's a temptation. Well, finally I got to this place because, you know, you're, you're trying to do your thing and you're, you know, and I have to be honest with you, it is a little uh, humbling when you look over and there's a, there's a, you know, no, no offense, but there's a 60, 65 year old woman that is outworking you, right? I feel a little humbled by that. And so you have this temptation to like, I'm going to cut a little bit so I can kind of keep up, keep doing my thing, keep moving like with this other person. But I finally had this revelation and I asked myself, why? Why am I cheating myself? Why am I cheating myself? I'm getting up early in the morning. I'm, I'm showing up to these, these exercises. I'm here, and the whole reason I'm here isn't to train to be some professional athlete. Those days are long gone. Unless they call, I'll go, right? But those days are over. Those days are gone. And so what I'm, my job is simply to try to maintain, you know, maybe try to, try, to, try to lose a couple LBs here or there. Like, that's like all I'm trying to do. But here, yet here I am cheating myself in the process and in the journey. And, he, and this is the temptation that I feel, is that I feel this temptation to stop short and to settle for good enough. But you know what happens when that happens? Is that I don't get to receive the full benefit of the workout or the trainer's knowledge. Here's a person that went to school and is literally training people that are performing at the highest level. And here's me thinking, I, you know what? He probably didn't mean to write 10 on the board. He probably meant to write seven, right? So let's just do that. And I don't receive the full benefit of what I was intended to receive. Now, I'm sure that I'm not the only one in here that's ever stopped short or settled for good enough. 
right? Has anybody ever been in school before? Go ahead and raise your hand, right? Uh, the rest of you are like, I'm not playing this game, right? How many of you, you've been in school before and you said to yourself, I can make A's. Yeah, I can make A's, but you know what? Someone once told me that D's make degrees as well, right? Right? Or how about this? When, when, it comes to, when it comes to your work, when it comes to your work, how many of you think, man, I could be the top performer, I, I, I could be the best in my field, but you know what? Nobody really likes an overachiever, right? And so I'm just going to settle a little bit. Or how about this? Our finances, right? Our finances. How many of us, we would like to be debt-free, we would like to not have to worry about our finances, but you know what? Everybody's got a little debt in their back pocket or how about here we go how about relationships Ooh, all right how about relationships we would like to meet the person but you know what I'll settle for any person right if it's a warm body that I can take to the movies on Friday night let's go right and how about this marriages we would love to have great marriages but you know what at least we're still together right how about this, in our, in our life of faith, in our walk with Jesus, we would love to have all that God has for us, but you know what, sometimes I'll settle for just a little bit of what God has for us. You see, the truth is, many of us have stopped short and settled for just good enough. But here's my question for us this morning, and I have this slide up. What's at stake when we stop short and settle for less than God's best? What's at stake? There's a phrase that says, that person left money on the table. Have you ever heard that before? Ever hear that phrase where, oh, that person left money on the table? You're like, yeah, I'm a dad. It happens every Monday when my kids go to school, right? How many of you have left money on the table? Same premise. What is still left out there because we stop short and we settle for good enough? What if there's more peace that we could be experiencing in our life? What if there's more joy that we could be experiencing in our life? What if God has a better financial future for us? Can someone say amen, amen. right? What, what if God has these things for us, but, but we stop short and settle for good enough? And my question is, what's at stake? That's something we never answer. We never ask this question when we settle, when we stop short, is that what's at stake? What am I missing out on? So that's where we're going to be heading this morning. The good news is, is that you, turn to your neighbor and say you, Turn to your neighbor, tell them, you, and turn to your other neighbor, are not the first person to do this. Let them know, right? You are not the first person. The good news is, is that you are not the first person to do this. This is actually a biblical precedent. As you read the Bible, you'll notice that there were a lot of people that kind of would stop short and settle for just good enough. So we're going to be in the book of Joshua this morning. So if you have your Bibles, you can move in that direction. I'm going to set up some context before we go there. But Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. And in Joshua chapter 1, what you have is you've got this, this pretty big transition that's taking place. So just a quick little overview, a quick little history, if you will. From the beginning, from the beginning, God has been on mission to reconcile you and me. From the beginning, that, that we see in Genesis 1 and 2, God shows us what life could be like. He shows us shalom. He shows us this perfect world in which everything was good. We were good with God. I was good with you. We were good with the earth. But one, by the time we get to Genesis 3, it kind of falls apart. It, it breaks apart. And then when you jump into Genesis 12, you have this person named Abraham. Say Abraham. 
right? And Abraham, God comes to Abraham and he says, hey, listen, through you, I'm going to bless the earth. Through you, your, through your seed, through your children, through, through, through you, that, that this promise is going to be uh, revealed and it's going to be experienced. And then from Abraham, Abraham's story goes on and you know that he has sons and their sons have sons. And then all of a sudden, uh, what started with Abraham now becomes this nation of Israel. And they got a bunch of people in Israel. Well, it wasn't long before the people of Israel found themselves stopping short, settling for good enough, and that landed them in what we call slavery. Say slavery, right? So they are enslaved to the Egyptians, and they, and they cry out to God. They say, God, where are you? Like, like we're, we're being punished here, and God hears him. He listens, and he says, okay, I'm going to respond to you. I'm going to send you a deliverer, and he sends this person named Moses. Say Moses. Right? And Moses is the one who leads his people out of slavery, out of Egypt, and starts to head towards the promised land. Now, wouldn't you think that that sounds like a pretty good deal? Say yes. Right? Have you ever had a lot of debt in your life and paid it off or somebody else paid it off? You're like, no, that's why I'm in church today, pastor, right? Right? That's what, like, that's what happened, is that all that got, and they are, they are free, ready to go. And here's the cool thing about God. God never stops with just like this little bit. He doesn't say, oh, okay, that, that, thing is, that thing is gone. He gives promise. He gives us so much more than we could ever think or imagine. And he says, not only am I going to deliver you, but I'm going I'm to give you a promised land. I'm going to give you a place where you can build houses. I'm going to give you a place, Scripture tells us of a land that flowed with milk and honey. Anybody got any little ones in the house? You're like, that would work for us if we had a land of milk and honey, right? But it's like this, and it was like this metaphorical uh, picture of just this great place that God had promised them. And you would think that after all that God had done for the Israelites, that they would be jumping at the opportunity to, to jump into what God has for them. But what we discover is that they stop short, and they settle for just good enough. Now, this morning, I wanted to give this caveat before we move forward. I uh, am excited about this message, as you can see, and I need you to help me in my excitement. So anytime I point to you, you got to say amen, okay? Right? So you, you got to help me out this morning so that we can keep this thing going. So we're going to practice. So I'm going to be teaching a point, and I'm going to say there we go. There we go. We're going to try that one more time. So I'm preaching, boy, I'm excited. And then, all right, this is going to work out really, really good this morning. I should have done this years ago, years ago, right? But that's where we are. That's where we're at at this point. So when we jump into Joshua, the story of Joshua, because Moses was the person that was leading these people, and there was all these kind of little hiccups along the way, and it wasn't a knock against Moses, but God told Moses, you're not going to, get, you're not going to be able to enter into the promised land. These people that stopped short, these people that settled for good enough, they're not going to be able to experience the promised land that I am giving to them. And so he tells Moses, I'm sorry that you're not going to be able to enter it. But there was this person named Joshua. And that's the transition period that we're going to look at real quickly. So if you have Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, would you say, I got it? I got it. Wonderful. So, this is, so let's pick up the story here in Joshua chapter 1. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, <clears throat> son of Nun, he was Moses' aide, he was, he was kind of his protege, Moses, my servant, is dead. If you got your note sheets, uh, you know, underline that, I put it on there, but, but highlight that. But he says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, 
you, Joshua, and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. And then verse uh, 3, it says this. And can we say this together as a community? The, the bolded part, ready? It says, I will give you every place where you set your foot. Let's say that again. I will give you every place where you set your foot. Now, what does that mean? What does, what does it mean? So this morning, we're talking about how God uh, wants to give us new ground, but what, what does the ground mean? Let me lay a little bit of a context for that. So back then, the ground was a big deal, as I mentioned, that Moses was going to lead them to a land. And if you were here last week, you know that how important the land was to the people of Israel, because Jesus shows up and he says, hey, you, you've been rooted to the land, but now you need to root yourself to me. So it was a, it was a big deal. The land was a a big deal. And this was God's promise. God's promise was, I'm going to give you this land. And it was like a physical land. It was a, you know, it was a real place. So that's, that's kind of what we're talking about then. But what are we talking about today? That's where I want to get to. What are we talking about today when we talk about ground? Now, let me ask you this question, and, you, and I need you to play. What are the places, what are the places where you would like to gain ground in your life? What are the places where you would like to gain ground in your life? Shout it out. What was it? Money. Anybody there? You're like, where's that money ground, right? I'm, take me there. What else? You don't have to be embarrassed. You don't have to be, you know, nobody's recording you. No one's going to hold you accountable for this. Just relationships, okay? What else? Where, where are places you'd like to gain ground? Health. In your health. Anybody a health? Anybody a health, Right? Some of you are like, oh, what are you doing? This is some weird game show that we're doing here, right? Well, what else? What was your job? Your job. job. Yes, that's a place that I would like to gain ground is favor at my job. Parenting. Amen, right? It's like, yes, parenting. Like, how how do I be a good parent? How do I, you know, not make the same mistakes and move them into a better future? What else? Spirit in your spiritual life. You'd like to gain ground in your spiritual life. Thank you, sir, right? God bless you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, right? right? But what, what else? What are some other areas where you would like to gain ground in your life? So we have, we have finances, we have work, we have, our, we have our faith, we have parenting, and forgiveness, and forgiveness. If that, if that is ground that we could gain, I would like to gain that. What about peace? Would anybody like to have more peace in your life, right? Would anybody like to have more joy in your life, right? Would anybody like to have more love in your life? Yeah, right? We'd like to have more love, right? And of course, we talked about finances. We talked about health. And health isn't just maybe our physical health, but maybe how about mental health? We'd like to have more mental health, and it all kind of ties together. We'd love to have more, more we'd, have, we'd love to have better relationships. We'd love to have better marriages. We would love to have better relationships with our family. Of course, there's all these different grounds that God wants to give you. But I want to give you this statement right here, and it's based off of Joshua chapter 1, verse 3, is that God wants to give you new ground for your your life. Amen. Oh, we got to try that again. Ready? God wants to give you new ground for your life. Amen. Amen. Right? All those areas. And I'm sure as you're sitting there, and even though you might not have voiced what it is that you're looking for, all of us are looking to gain new ground in our life. 
All of us are wanting to do that. Here's the beautiful part. Now listen to me. I am not, I am not a prosperity preacher. I am not a name it, claim it guy. I am very skeptical of all of that stuff. But I have to tell you this. The Bible, the, the scripture teaches me that all of God's promises are yes and amen. All of God's promises are yes and amen. What that means is that because of my faith in Christ Jesus, I now have access to all the promises of God. Amen. Amen. Right? And there's nothing weird. In fact, I had a phone call just recently with a friend who, who, was, who was teaching something and had a question pop up and wanted to know, hey, the Bible was written to a particular audience. How, like, it was written to like a, the Hebrews and Jewish audience. How does that have any impact on my life? And I said, well, I said, on one level, it's, it's great literature. It is very helpful because it talks about the human experience. I said, but on the other level is that for those who are in Christ Jesus, you are now grafted into God's whole story. Meaning all of those promises that God gave to Israel, we now get to receive. Now, that being said, it doesn't mean that we are, we get, we are qualifying for some piece of land over in the Middle East. I'm sorry about that one. And if you get an email from me about soliciting money for the Middle East, that ain't me, okay? Right? So there's, there's no land. But what I believe is in a spiritual sense, what God is saying to us, God is saying that I will give you every place where you set your foot. And what that means to me is that every place that I set my foot in my marriage, every place that I set my foot as a dad, every place that I set my foot uh, as a pastor, in my faith, in my finances, in my health, all of those places, the Bible tells me that God will give me those places. Let me hold on, but that means that I have to set my foot there. God isn't going to just throw these things at me. In fact, this was the first part of the passage where he says, I'm going to give you every place where you set your foot. As we're going to learn, they also had to go and set their foot in every place in order to receive it. So this is what we are after. And these are the things. But here's the issue. God wants to give us this new ground, but we often stop short and settle for good enough. God wants to give this stuff but we are the ones that stop short and we settle for good enough. And it's what keeps us from accessing and gaining these places that God wants to give. Now, why? Why does it happen? Very quickly, that one scripture, it says, Moses is dead. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, Moses is dead. Let him know, right? Moses is dead. <clears throat> now, why is that important? God had delivered Israel, gave them the promise, and, and it even led them but they stopped short. Moses kind of represented the people. He kind of represented this generation that stopped short and settled for the good enough. And so they aren't accessing it. They aren't going into it anymore. And so they let us know Moses is dead. But I also, this isn't pertinent to what we're talking about, but I just wanted to give it to you this morning because as I was reading it, something popped out to me. What if Stopping short and settling for good, good enough, isn't, it doesn't just stop there. But actually, what if it actually leads us to places of death? What if stopping short in our life and settling for good enough does not lead us to life, but actually it leads us to places of death? Mark Twain said that most people die at age 27. We just bury them at 72. So I just wanted to give you that real quick. Go ahead and turn to your neighbor and say, move on, pastor. Move on, right? Right? 
So we have Moses, and that's in there because I think it, it highlights to us what it looks like when you stop short and you settle for good enough. Now, it's not a knock on Moses. It was the people of Israel. But then he goes and he says, Joshua, get ready. Joshua, get ready. You and all these people, get ready because I'm about to do something. Who is Joshua? Joshua was Moses' aide. He was also part of that previous generation, but he's highlighted to us as an example. Joshua is highlighted to us as an example because he was a part of this previous generation, but he decided that, you know what? I'm not going to stop short and I'm not going to settle. Amen. Right? I'm not going to stop short and I'm not going to settle. Amen. Amen. Right? And he hit this crossroad, I believe, where he had a decision to make. I see where I can stop short and where I can settle, or I see where I can step in to what God has for me. And he moves in this other direction. Now, here is why this is important for us this morning. It's because I believe not only does God want to give us new ground, I believe that God has more ground for us to gain. I believe that God has more ground for us to gain. I don't know where you're at. I know that living in this country, it's easy to kind of like, as long as some things are covered, we're good. As long as that Cox bill gets paid, we're good. As long as football comes back on, hallelujah, right? We're, we're good to go. I understand that. It's easy to become content. It's easy to be, just get comfortable and sit where we're at. But you need to hear this this morning, that not only does God want to give us new ground, I believe that God has more ground for us to gain. More. Now, I want to point this out from Scripture. Look at verse 4 with me real quick. Verse 4, the author gives us the, the, this description of the land that God was going to give. It's verse, verse 4 there. Just put some slides up. I'll help you. Keep going. Keep going. There we go. So this is important because of what we're going to be talking about. So he gives this description. And if you're reading the scripture and, and you're not really like paying attention to it, you're not really a student of it, it, does, it's just like, it just seems like it's some sort of information the author puts in there. It doesn't really have any relevance for my life. But it says this. This is God speaking to Joshua. He says, your territory will extend from the desert Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, to the north and all the hill, hill, uh, Hittite country to the west, to the Mediterranean Sea uh, in, the, in the west. And so he's giving these, these boundaries for, for uh, what God had promised them. But you need to hear something. This is what God had promised Israel. This was the land, and this is what he defined it as. But did you know Israel never fulfilled all of the promised land? As, we, as you read in the story and you hear about the conquest, they did move and, and gain some territory, but they never received the full promise of God. Look at this uh, picture very quickly. It's not a great picture, but I wanted you to see it. The, in the yellow is what God had promised Israel. This was the boundaries. This is what God had spoken to them. I'm going to give you this, 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 and this. That little gold part is all they ended up achieving. Here's the point of it, is that God has more ground for you in your life. Boy, this can preach this morning. How many of us, how many of us, God has given us promises? If you are a Christ follower, God has given you particular promises in your life. But how often in our lives do we stop short and settle for just good enough? How often in our jobs, with our relationships and our finances, do we stop just short? God, I see that you're giving me all of this, but you know what I really want is just a this. Said nobody, right? Said nobody. But God has more ground for us to gain. He has more ground for us to gain. 
That person that you're waiting on in your life, Mr. Wonderful, is out there somewhere, I promise you. Don't settle for somewhat wonderful, okay? Right? The job that you're after, that career field that you're after is out there. Don't settle for something that's less than what you believe God has for you. And the same thing in your spiritual life. I believe, we say this every week, that God wants you to become all that he has created you to be. Don't settle for just part of it. God has more. That's the thing about God. That's the wild thing about God and his love for you is that it's not, it's not contained in this little bit, but rather it's big and it's for you. Amen. 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 That's the thing. That's the reason that that's in the passage is that God says, this is what I was going to give to Israel, but this is what they settled for. This little part is all they settled for. So God has more ground for us to gain, but God also, also has big promises for your life. Did you know that? Turn to your neighbor and say, God has big promises for your life. Go ahead and turn to that same neighbor and say the same thing, because that was weak, right? God has big promises for your life. And it's in the scripture. Look at verse five. Look what, look, what, look what God speaks to Joshua. Now remember, Joshua is somebody that we can relate to because all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. He tells him in verse five, he says, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Is anybody like that promise? Nobody's gonna be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you, I'll never forsake you. And then he says, be strong and courageous because you will lead the people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. These are, these are God's promises for his people. And the first one is that it's a powerful promise. He says, nobody's gonna be able to stand against you all of your life. Now, that does not mean that you need to get in the gym and learn some martial arts. That's not what that means. God's not saying that, that, that you will be able to fight your own battles. Rather, God is saying himself, my power, my power will, will be able to empower you. You'll, you'll be able to, no one will be able to stand against you in your life. Can I just give you this too this morning? This, we, when we hear that, when I hear that, I think of some outside uh, uh, factor. But do you know what the other side of that is? Meaning you won't be able to stand against yourself either. How many times do we, we beat our own selves up, right? In our minds and we tear ourselves down and we, we think about who we've been. We think about what we've done. And it's like the enemy doesn't even have to throw anybody else at you because you're beating yourself up. So God says, nobody's going to be able to stand against you, whether that's outside, whether that's internal, doesn't matter, nobody. And then he goes on and he says, as I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. So God's promises are powerful and then they're personal. Did you hear that? God is speaking from the first person. He's not saying, hey, I'll send, I'll send my archangels. He's not saying, I'll send my ambassador. He's not saying, I'll send some pastor. Rather, God is speaking from the first, personal, or the first person, meaning it is personal. And then the last one is that it is permanent. It is permanent. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. This morning, if you're here and you have felt like God has left you and that God has forgotten about you, he hasn't. Because what his scripture tells me and what his promises tell me is that he will never leave us. And he will never forget about us. And I don't know about you in your life, but that promise right there hits home for me. How many times do you feel alone in what you're trying to accomplish? How many times do you feel, feel alone in your thoughts and you feel alone in your world? God says, I'll never leave you. 
I'll never forget about you. So what we see is God wanting us to gain ground for our life and that God has great big promises for our life. Amen, amen, amen. amen. Now, not only does this have implications for, um, for our lives, but it has implications for our church. I believe that God has more ground for this church to gain. I believe that God has, has, has ground, new ground that he wants to gain in, in our lives, but also in and through this church. And one of the ways that we are going to take steps, that we are going to move at that, is that the, uh, the beginning of October is that uh, this church is going to launch a second service. We are going to two services here at our church because what does two mean? Two means there's going to be more opportunity. There's going to be more uh, opportunity for there to be stories. There's going to be more opportunity for there to be life change that can happen here. Because what I believe, what the scripture tells me, is that God will give us every place we set our foot. But God won't give us that place unless we launch a second service. God's not going to say, hey, now's the time to do it. Rather, God's waiting on us. He says, I'm going to give it to you. He's saying, there are people in this community that need to hear about me. There are people in this, in your world, there are people in your families that need to hear about me. And so we are taking steps in that next direction. So I've got our ushers ready. Ushers are ready. And so they're going to hand out a, a card. You're going to get right now. It looks like this. Go ahead, and ushers. You can pass it out. Go ahead, move, move throughout here. Uh, go ahead and turn to your neighbor and say, what is going on, right? What is going on? And so what they have is just a, it's just a postcard, and it has the number two on it. And on the back of it, it has some information about what we're doing. And it simply says, hey, it says we're growing. It says we're preparing to launch our second service in two years. On Sunday, October the 7th, we're going to offer a 9 a.m. and a 10.45 a.m. And there's different ways that you can play, next steps, important dates, all that kind of stuff. But hold on to that because I believe that God is calling us to gain more ground. Amen. Let's do that again. I believe God is calling us to gain more ground. Amen. 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 And we are going to take steps. We're going to move in that direction. Now, what is this going to look like? And what do we need to do? Here's my application for us. Don't stop short. Don't settle for good enough. Rather, step in. Step in. Three, three things very quickly. One is get ready. In verse 2 of the passage, God tells Joshua to get ready. Now, what, what does it look like when you, in the morning for you? How do you get ready in the morning? What do you do? Coffee, what else, right? Right? You have your routine. You have your ways that you go about it. Whenever we, whenever we go to the gym and we get ready to work out, do you know what that involves for us? First, a little panic attack, right, before we uh, jump into that. But two, stretching. We, gotta, we have to stretch. We have to get ready. And this is what I believe God is saying. He's, saying. he's saying start stretching. Start stretching. There might be stuff in your life where, you know, it's time to maybe put that thing away or, or get serious about what God is calling us to, but start stretching. The second thing is this, is to get focused. Get focused. Look at verse 7 and 8 says. It says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the laws my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be, what? Successful wherever you go. 
And then he says, keep this book of the law always on your lips, meditate, it, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Very quickly, two things. One, he says three times in this passage to be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Now, why would God say be strong and courageous three times? Because you need it a lot. Because we need to be strong and courageous. Because he knows that we're going to face stuff in which we have to be strong and we've got to be courageous. But very quickly, the second part, he says to what? Be careful. Be careful to what? Observe the law. Be careful to meditate on the law. Now, what does that mean for us? You need to hear this this morning. If you didn't hear anything, hear this. Is that when you will get serious about your faith, God will get serious. I think for some of us, we sit back in the pew, we sit back and we just wait for God to do everything. You need to know that God has already done everything and God is waiting on you. When you get serious, God will get serious. When you get serious, God will get serious. That's why, listen, think about this. They're about to go on a conquest and God's saying, I'm gonna give you this. This is what's gonna happen. I'm not gonna leave you. I'm not gonna forget about you. And then he draws their attention to the scripture. And he says, listen, meditate on this. He says, because if you know this, if you're serious about this and you don't turn from the left and you don't turn to the right, then you will be successful and prosperous in everything that you do. What he's saying is when you get serious, God will get serious. Amen. 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 And then the third part is this, is that you gotta get up and you gotta go get it. You gotta get up and you gotta go get it. You gotta get up and you gotta go get it. In verse nine, God says this to Joshua. He says all this stuff and then he says, have I not commanded you? He says, have I? It's a rhetorical question to God. He's saying, am I not speaking to you? Am I not telling you this? Have I not commanded you this? Be strong and courageous. He says, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged because the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Wherever you go, God is gonna be with you. And, and in there, of course, there's like, there's this language where he says, why would God say, don't be afraid? Why would God say, don't be discouraged? Because you're going to be afraid and you're going to be discouraged. Anytime you take steps toward improving your life, it is scary. Anytime you're moving at, man, I really would like to meet the right person. I'm really good at meeting the wrong person, Right? But I want to move in this direction. I want to, I want to meet the right person, and that is scary. That can be scary, because here's the crazy thing. We get comfortable in our dysfunction. We get comfortable with the wrong person. We get comfortable with the wrong things. But God says, man, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Be strong, be courageous. I'm gonna be with you wherever you go. And so this morning, this is my message to you as a church, to us as a church, and to you as an individual, is to don't stop short of what God has for your life. Don't settle. Don't settle for just good enough. Rather, step in. Step in.